0: Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Pastor Lars Hammer from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Marana, Arizona. And welcome back to our our online devotions, these little series of Bible studies that I'm gonna be doing. I know that I've just wrapped up in Advent. I was looking at Isaiah and some various prophecies in Isaiah that kind of relate to Advent. And before that, I've been walking through the Psalms I'm gonna try something a little different now for the next about five weeks, and that's gonna be a look at spiritual gifts and I'm gonna call this series Spiritual Gifts and Spiritual Encounters uh, because it's not simply the gifts we get, but when we encounter God, and we're gonna look at the scriptures. When did people encounter God? When were they given spiritual gifts? How did they deal with it? What can we learn about spiritual gifts? And it goes all the way back into the Old Testament where God has appeared to people in various ways and times and places. And I, of course, believe very firmly that God is still very much alive in our world. Uh, God still comes to us. There are still visions and dreams and callings and spiritual gifts are very much alive today. Uh, But we can sometimes struggle with what does that mean? How do we deal with that? So this is gonna dovetail with a sermon series that I'm doing on Sunday mornings. Uh, Again, now up until Lent, which is gonna be about mid-February. And each Sunday, I'm gonna look at a different spiritual gift and talk about what spiritual gifts mean for us in our own lives as a church. This is gonna be an expansion on that. So today, I thought I would start out looking at Moses. And Moses, who we all remember, is the guy who led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the Promised Land. And he often gets remembered as the guy with the staff who crosses the, the Red Sea. But Moses is a much more interesting figure. He's much more uh, deep, more layered than that. And his, he was one person who had some very, very real encounters with God. And his encounters with God were not typical encounters with God that we would sort of see today. He wasn't sitting in a church or a temple praying. He wasn't uh, a particularly monkish kind of person. Uh, what was he doing? Well. Let's look at Exodus 3. So we'll go back and look at Exodus 3 a little bit. And what do we have here in this scenario? Now, just to give you the two-second background on this, remember Moses was in Egypt, and he was raised in Pharaoh's court, and he was raised to be a fairly high position. So he had had education, he had status, even though he was the descendant of slaves. And it says that at one point he went out into the fields and saw the Jewish people working and he got so mad at one of the slave driving foremen at the way he mistreated the Jews that he beat up this foreman, killed him and stuffed his body in the reeds and then of course had to run. So what did Moses do? He ran off into the Sinai Peninsula Meets up with this family, this local family, this guy named Jethro, and he's got daughters. So then he goes and he takes a wife from these people called the Midianites. That was their uh, ethnicity. They lived in the Sinai Peninsula, and Moses has gone now in a short amount of time from being in Pharaoh's court, in the seat of wealth and power, to now being a sheep herder out in the Sinai desert. Uh, it's a comfortable living it's a nice living not terribly wealthy living herding sheep can be hard but it was a solid stable place and it was quiet and peaceful and he'd sort of left behind all the pain and all the struggles of the people in Egypt and was out here herding sheep and had his wife and a a new family in essence he'd kind of run away from it all. He had gotten away from all the stuff All the stuff that was the stress. He'd also gotten away from the burdens uh, and from the law. So here we have Moses and it says in Exodus chapter three, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So he's herding his sheep. He herds them up the mountain, which was typical of shepherds to do in wintertime. There'd be usually be better grass up there. So, leads them up the mountain. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Okay, so Moses is out in the wilderness. He's away from it all. I think this is crucially important. And I think it matters because at least I'll give you a bit from my own experience is that I often will tell say that for my own spiritual life, it's very, very hard to maintain while staying at home in my house, in my yard. Uh, because i got five kids, and they're not always all at home, two are in college, but I've got five, got a couple little ones, and the little ones are loud, and they're busy, and they move around, and they interrupt everything. And long periods of contemplation, they just don't happen in my house. I'm lucky if I can eat a bowl of cereal in the morning and not get interrupted. It's it's really that busy. I was having a, a Zoom meeting, just last night and I was sitting in one of my rooms and I had shut the door. I'd locked it, but the handles don't lock all that good. If you flip them hard enough, they open up after a while, they're old. And so I'm sitting there trying to have this Zoom meeting and then boom, my cat comes in. Uh, I have a really big cat, he can flip the handle. Uh, So my cat walks through the door. All right, so I go get the cat, put him away. And the next thing you know, a few minutes later, boom, one of the boys walks in. And then another one walks in. And then, uh, you know, it was a one-hour Zoom. I can't do a one-hour Zoom. So I don't have the kind of life where I can wake up in the morning and sit down with my Bible and a cup of coffee and do my morning devotions and start my day out that way. I I just can't. that by the time I'm sitting and doing those devotions, there's kids running and screaming and, you know, a dinosaur train is on TV and all this kind of stuff. So where, well, how do I refresh? One of the things I had to learn about myself is that after a long time of doing this, of going to work and then coming home, and then when you come home, you're busy, busy, busy until the boys go to sleep and then you collapse. After a while, that starts to wear on you and you can't do that forever. And it's, uh, it was affecting my uh, preaching, it was affecting my own prayer life that I just never had the time to recharge. And it's hard to give to others when you don't have time to recharge yourself. So what do I do, and I've been doing a lot of this lately, It's just getting out of town and going on a hike. And one of the beauties of being in Tucson is there's a lot of places to go hiking. You, you go an hour, hour and a half, there's a ton of trails. You can go from being in the desert up in the mountains real quickly. And so I do that. I take time, I get away, I go on a hike. Now, I know there's a lot of people who will say, that's where I usually find God. And I did a talk on this a while back about finding God in nature. And my own experience has been that I go out in nature and I find God, but it isn't like God's not at home in my normal everyday life, and it isn't like God's not here in my work at church. God's very much here. It's just hard for me to listen because there's so much to do. But when I get out in nature, suddenly a lot of the distractions are gone. You know, the phone isn't beeping. I'm not staring at a computer screen. I'm not checking the email. The TV isn't on. Nobody's sort of pecking at me to get my time. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, kids want their dad's time, right? And when I get out there in nature, it's as if all the other noise stops and all the immediate little dingings, dings and dings that uh, are demanding your time and demanding answers, they stop. And so, When I'm out there, out in the desert, out in the woods, I can sit and without the distraction suddenly, as my wife, the phrase my wife uses, I can hear my own thoughts. So suddenly I'm out there, I can hear my own thoughts. And the first thing that I hear in my mind usually is all the stressors still eating at me. All the sort of latent things that that are there, I gotta kinda detox from those. Then uh, you get the next level of things that sort of the stressors that are more low level that you've not been thinking about because you've been too busy. You can sort of stuff them away, right? If I keep moving and moving, I don't think about it. Well, now I'm I'm not looking at the emails. Now suddenly I can think about those things, Uh, long term stressors. So then they come to my mind and I have to continue detoxing. Keep walking, keep walking. And it's after a while then you get to a point where you've run through all that in your head and kind of exhausted it and let it spin out and you stand there in the quiet and that's when suddenly it's calm. And that's when I'll say that I often find myself closest to God. Not because God is in that tree and God's not in the tree in my backyard, it's because When I'm out there in the woods among those trees, then I'm clear and clear-headed, I'm open-minded, I'm not distracted, and now suddenly, I'm in a place where I can let God into my life. And I think that's uh, such a key thing that's made our lives so unspiritual in the modern American world is because we have so many distractions, we just don't get time to be in God's presence. We don't have time to get away. Well, Exodus three, let's get back here. Exodus three, what is Moses doing? He got away. Now, it wasn't completely intentional. This wasn't a spiritual retreat. This was running from the law, right? He killed one of Pharaoh's uh, foremen, he, he, you know, he was facing court, he ran, he went on the lambs. So, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a forced journey, but nonetheless, it was a journey. And so he goes out and, he, and at this point, he's not even with his family, he's alone with the sheep up on the mountain. There, away from it all, suddenly, an angel of the Lord to appeared to him in a flame of fire. Now it's interesting, it says an angel, an angel's a messenger. What shape did it have? Just a flame in a bush. Just a flame in a bush. And then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. So he didn't initially recognize it as God. He just heard in the sheep, oh, there's a fire. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, because that's how God talks. Uh, And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. But what makes it holy ground? It's just a random bush up on a hill in a desert. Why is it holy ground? There's no temple, there's no fancy rug, there's no altar. It's holy ground because God is there. God's presence makes it holy ground. So God says, take your shoes off, which is a common practice in a lot of countries outside the U.S. where you take your shoes off when going into even another person's house. It's a sign of respect. Uh, in the ancient world, of course, when you stepped in, you know, when you are a shepherd, your feet would have been covered in manure and dirt, and so yeah, so okay, take your shoes off. And he goes farther. so this is where Moses has his first big encounter with God. When he's out there alone, he doesn't ask for it. He isn't looking for it, he isn't anticipating it, he isn't saying, God, where are you, appear to me. People will do that in the Bible a lot, not, but not in this case. In this case, Moses is just running, and he's hiding. And you don't. there's a little bit kind of a question of, is Moses running and hiding from what his uh, true calling is? And our, our movies would pick up this theme a million times, right? The hero, who you know has a specific calling, and he runs and takes off and comes back. The Lion King, right? This is Lion King, right? The the anointed leader goes and hides in the jungle, and uh, you know where did they get that idea from? That's Moses. And there's a million movies that will have that theme of sort of the chosen one escapes the troubles back at home, back in the city, back in the politics, and runs and hides. But then eventually his destiny, his calling catches up with him, right? And the people say, look, you can't keep hiding forever, we need you, which is one of God's common refrains. You go to the mountain to find God, you go to the wilderness to find God, and what God does is not tell you, stay here in the wilderness and let the world burn down around you. What God says is, I need you to go back and and take care of business. It may be great hanging out here in the country. I need you to go back. And I know the work is going to be hard, but I need you to go back and do it. And so this is one of the basics of a spiritual encounter is that, you know, the wilderness we may find God, but God will God may call us. It may be that God calls us to stay in the wilderness. What we see from Moses is that God had a different destiny in mind for him, and that was for him to go back to the city and free the people. And it was going to be very, very hard work. Uh, But that's often what happens when you have an experience of God. So what can we take away today? Uh, The wilderness is a good place for us to experience God. Uh, That God surprises us, God appears in ways we don't always expect. That when God appears, he he has a calling for us, In the case of Moses, he will tell him, go back. The Lord said, verse seven, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians. So there you go, Moses. You have a job to do. And I often will find, too, that Uh, Coming back from a hike, I feel like a renewed sense of call, a renewed sense of purpose, and we'll get to some of that later where we have to find out what exactly it is that we're going to do. But you can't hear the voice of God often if you don't take the time to get away and listen and take it in and process it all uh, and be open to God surprising us when things are quiet and when we make some space to listen. So, all right, well, that's it for today. We're going to keep walking through Exodus a little bit more in the next couple, uh, few times that are coming up. Moses is a person who has many close encounters with God. And uh, so, uh, otherwise, catch us on Sundays as we talk about spiritual gifts. I hope you all have a great uh, day. Thanks a lot. God bless.